Chapter 6 of The Complete Works of Bran the Iconoclast, Volume 1, by William Cowper Bran. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Josh Kibbe. Chapter 6 The Cow. For the enlightenment of city milkmen who never saw a cow, it may be well to state that this more or less useful animal does not resemble a pump in the slightest particular. A cow has four feet, but the subsequent one on the right side is her main reliance. With this foot she can strike a blow that no man or woman born can elude. It resembles a load of drunken chain-shot, and searches every cubic yard of atmosphere in a two-acre lot for a victim before it stops. She is also provided with a caudal appendage that ends in a patent fly-brush. This she uses to wrap around the neck of the milkmaid to prevent her getting away before she has a chance to kick her health corset off and upset the milk. A cow will eat anything she can steal, from an ear of corn to a hickory shirt. She will leave a square meal especially ordered for her and gotten up by an imported chef to fill her measly hide full of straw from a boarding-house bed-tick if she can only steal it. She will work at a crack in a neighbor's barn for six mortal hours, and wear her tongue as thin as a political platform to get an old corn-cob, when she knows she can have a bushel of corn all shelled by going home for it. She is a born thief, a natural marauder. Any cow that has been given opportunities for gleaning knowledge can open a gate that fastens with a combination lock, get into a garden, do fifty dollars worth of damage, and be six blocks away before the infuriated owner can ram a charge of slugs into a muzzle-loading gun. The man who has not lived in a small town, where one half the inhabitants keep cows and expect them to forge their living off the other half, will never fully realize what he has missed unless he starts a daily paper or falls downstairs with the cook-stove. When Mrs. B and I first went into partnership, we decided to raise our own garden truck. It is the usual mistake of youngsters. During the long winter evenings they sit by the fire and plan their garden. A 640-acre farm, covered a foot deep with patent fertilizers, mortgages, and other modern improvements, would not produce the amount of stuff two moonstruck young amateur gardeners confidently expect to yank from a patch of dirt but a little bigger than a postage stamp. Thirty dollars for tools and seeds, ninety-seven dollars worth of labor, and four times that amount of worry and vexation of spirit, results in some forty dollars' worth of garden sass, which is promptly referred to the interior department of the neighbor's cows. I soon learned that an ordinary gate catch was no bar to the educated cattle in my neighborhood, so I added a bolt. That puzzled them for a night or two, but they soon learned the combination, and filled themselves so full of cabbage that cost me two dollars a head to raise, that they couldn't get out by way of the gate, and I had to knock down a panel of fence to get rid of them. That evening, I brought home a double-barreled shotgun, a log-chain, and a padlock that would have baffled a cracksman. I chained up the gate, gave the key to Mrs. B. to lose, loaded the gun halfway to the muzzle with tin-penny nails, and resolved to hold the fort by main strength. It was a bright moonlight night, and I sat up with a corn-cob pipe and a robust determination to have fresh beef for breakfast if that padlock failed to do its duty. About nine o'clock, an old brindle cow came browsing up to the front gate. She took a long survey of the house to see if we had all gone to bed. Having satisfied herself on that point, she inserted her horns between the bars of the front gate 
and gave it a gentle shake. She looked at the house again to see if the noise had aroused us. Finding all quiet, she went to work on the bolt, first with her horns, and then with her tongue. In ten minutes she had it drawn and started to come in. She was evidently surprised to find herself still on the outside. Two or three of her companions came up, and they held a consultation. Old Brindle worked at the chain a while, but it was no use. They were puzzled. They took a long look at the gate, shook it viciously with their horns, then turned impatiently away like a man who has run four blocks to a bank only to find a closed staring him in the face. Several more cows came up, and when they were shown the new jewelry, they acted hurt and proceeded to hold an indignation meeting and pass a vote of censure, after which one old sheep pirate broke a horn trying to lift the gate off its hinges. After this mishap, they acted so discouraged that I concluded they had given it up. But they hadn't. Old Brindle returned to the attack. She spent half an hour monkeying with the gate, and then stopped short and began to study. She had more gall than a ward-healer, more tenacity than an office-seeker, more brains than a boodle alderman. In just ten minutes by the town clock, she had the problem solved. With her horns, she lifted the chain over the top of the gate-post and walked in, as proud as a boy with a sore toe. I felt like a homicide as I raised the double-barreled gun and pulled both triggers. I felt worse after I'd crawled out of the cistern, where the perfidious gun had kicked me, and learned that I had missed the whole drove and sent a hateful of slugs and nails into a neighbor's china closet. I broke the gun over old Brindle's vertebrae, and followed up the attack with the garden fork. After I'd chased the entire drove back and forth over the garden a dozen times, and seen what was left of my summer's work, inextricably mixed with the subsoil, fallen over the wheelbarrow and ruined a fourteen-dollar pair of trousers, a constable came and arrested me for discharging firearm inside the corporate limits. A young theological gosling, who has since died of excessive goodness, preferred a charge of cruelty to animals against me, and my neighbor sued for the price of his china and got judgment. Old Brindle died, and the court decided that it was my duty to buy her. I found her meat too tough for eating, and her hide too full of garden fork holes to be available for sole leather. If the retail butchers are to be believed, the cow is a calf until there is no more room on her horns for rings. She seldom lives to be too old to be carved up with a buzzsaw and a cold chisel and sold as veal. After she has passed her time of usefulness in the dairy, when she has forgotten how to give four quarts of milk per diem, and then kick it over the dewy-lipped maid who has carefully culled it from the maternal fount, the thrifty farmer drives her upon the railway track, wrecks a train with her, then sues the company for a hundred fifty dollars damages. Of course, the company kicks worse than ever the cow did, but the farmer secures an intelligent jury of brother agriculturalists, and the soulless corporation has to come to taw. Her consort is less brilliant and more impulsive. He has a surly, unsocial disposition and uncertain temper, but can be very polite when he chooses. He has been known to neglect his regular business, to assist an embarrassed young man over a rail fence, or entertain a party of picnickers from the city. He has a natural antipathy for red flags, and will cross a forty-acre field to make a mop-rag of one, and rub its bearer's nose in the mud, an example that might be advantageously followed by the Chicago authorities. The calf is one of the most interesting studies in the science of natural history. In its earliest youth it wears long, wobbly legs and an expression of angelic innocence. But before it is a week old, it knows more than some men who have been honored with high offices and expensive funerals. The calf will eat anything it can swallow, 
and what it can't get through its neck it will chew and suck the juice tablecloths hickory shirts store pants lace curtains socks in fact the entire range of articles familiar to the laundry are tidbits to the calf a calf that has any ambition to distinguish himself will leave the maternal udder any time to chew one leg off a new pair of boughten pantaloons or absorb the flowing narrative of a biled shirt the calf learns bad habits as readily as an indian and the man who did not have a youthful masculine bovine for partner in his boyish deviltry looks back upon a barren and uneventful youth i remember one promising calf that i taught to bunt like a william goat one day my eldest brother and my parent on my father's side were cleaning out an open well while the calf and myself lingered near waiting for a glorious opportunity to merit killing the old gentleman superintended the work and pulled up in an iron kettle the mud which the son of his youth industriously scraped from the bottom of an eighteen-foot well with much labor and an old tin pan while he was leaning over the mouth of the well pulling up a kettle of slush his suspender buttons groaning and his tailor-made pantaloons strained to the utmost tension i called the calf's attention to him the bovine grasped the situation lowered his head kicked up his heels emitted a triumphant bellow shot forward like a baseball reaching for the stomach of an amateur shortstop and struck the rear elevation of the head of our distinguished house with the solid impact of a hydraulic ram toying with a stone fence a moment later there was a sound from the bowels of the earth but it was not a sound of revelry it resembled an able-bodied cyclone ripping up four miles of plank road and driving it through the pulsating heart of a colored camp meeting the calf had forgotten to remember the well, and while my respected sire was chasing the kettle to the bottom, the calf was chasing him. Half a dozen robust neighbors, armed with a windlass, and a two-inch rope dragged the youthful ox and his unfortunate companions from the pit, and the volunteer fire brigade was sent for to turn the hose on them. I haven't forgotten the sequel to this little story, but it would not possess that lively interest for the great public that it did for me, so I will let it pass. End of chapter 6 The Cow